Hello and welcome to this week's Sports Zone on Salford City Radio. I'm Rob Parkson and I'm here talking all things sport in Salford. Joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside from The Devil in Detail. Paul, it's uh, one of our Christmas specials and we're talking about the Rugby League season for both our local sides, Salford Red Devils and Swinton Lions. You looking forward to it? Yeah, certainly am. Yeah, you know me, Rob. I, I'm a big fan of rugby league. That's that's my sport, really. So uh, I'm not very knowledgeable about other sports. So so rugby league, I, I do okay on. So yeah, I look forward to talking about our two local teams. It should be a good show. Yeah. So we'll start with Swinton Lions. They narrowly avoided relegation from the championship in 2023. A brave battling performance by the Lions on the final day kept them up. Paul, joyous scenes in the camp. Uh, what can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It was a tough season for them, like you say. They had some some good wins last year, and uh, you know, in a, in a tough championship as well. Which, let's not forget, there's some big sides in there. We spoke about that last year, didn't we? You know, the sides that were going for promotion and Swindon were going toe to toe with them, weren't they? So, yeah, so we had some good wins, some disappointing days, I think, as well. But when it came down to it, they uh, they just about got over the line, didn't they? And uh, in what was a real tough running, you had like four or five sides at the bottom of the table that that all sort of were swapping. Players places weren't they and I think going into that final day there was loads of conundrums weren't they of, of who could go down and who had to win by so many points and things like that so uh, so Swindon survived it yeah it was, a, it was a transition season for them I suppose as well really because things were happening off the field you know coach Alan Coleman was, was was leaving and going to witness at the end of the season so they've got a new coach coming in Alan Kilshaw so yeah there's a lot happening at Swindon isn't there and a lot happened last season and then this season's going to be another tough one as well for them there's no doubt about that yeah you know, great season for Swint Lions. Played 27 games, won nine of them. Victories against Batley, Barrow, Toulouse, Keefley, Sheffield, Widnes, Keefley again, Whitehaven. And Halifax was enough. And obviously, like we say, it's about developing, it's about progress as a club in it, Paul. And, you know, the Swint Lions fan will be chuffed to bits that they're still in the championship and still competing at the highest level for them. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's no mean feat that like, going to uh, to Halifax on the final game of the season. That was a great win because if you look back at the table, Halifax had been challenging for a playoff spot and they ended up missing out on the playoffs after they lost to Swinton. So it wasn't like they went to Halifax on the last game of the season with you know, playing them where they had nothing to play for and they rested all the players and didn't bother. They was gunning for the playoffs. So that, that's what made that win even more special for them to go there and get that result. Because I remember thinking in the, in the week leading up to it, I couldn't see them winning there. I thought Halifax would be too strong. They've got playoffs ambitions of their own. But Swinton went and upset that and, and thoroughly deserved to stay up. You know, it was a, it was a great win that. And, and now they've got to, to back that up now and, and, and go again. You know, you look at the structure of the, of the rugby league at the moment, the league, league one is... It's in a bit of disarray, really. A lot of sides have dropped out of that, and that's going to be a funny competition next year. So they want to make sure they stay in that championship, you know, with the with, with those sides in there. That's going to be a really tough league. But the likes of Wakefield who've come down, Bradford are in there, Toulouse, Featherstone. You know, there's some really good sides in there, and that's going to be uh, be a challenge in itself. Yeah, you talk about Alan Coleman departed, now gone to witness, but showed his credentials keeping Swinton in the championship. Obviously, like he's moved on now, uh, but the fans will be happy with what they saw under him uh, and keeping them in this division. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, I mean, Alan Coleman's got the, the chance to go and uh, and work at Witness now. So um, you know that's that's a step for him. You know whether it's a whether you say it's a, a backward step or upward step, a sideways step. I, I don't know. I mean, Witness is a good club, aren't they? There's potential there at Witness, but they've been. 
been sort of in the doldrums for the last few years, haven't they? You know, certainly since they've come out of Super League. So um, there's, there's definitely potential low in witness, isn't there? So um, perhaps he's seen that and he's decided for a fresh challenge there. But, you know, Alan Kilshaw has come in at Swinton. And, you know, I remember Alan being Rochdale Arnett's coach and he did a very good job there. And I know he's very highly regarded in his last position at Hunslet. I don't think they wanted to lose him, really. But I think he's a fairly local guy, Alan. So going to Hunslet was probably a long way for him, travelling and things like that. So Swinton's probably more of a perfect fit for him so very very uh, good student of the game as well that has a great knowledge of the amateur rugby league so you know I, I think he could be uh, be another fine coach we've had some good coaches over the last few years you know Stuart Little has done a terrific job there you know and, and his corner at Swinton you, you've got Alan Coleman who came in after him so they do pick some some good people so um, I, I'm sure Alan will be no different yeah obviously looking back at the 2023 season top try scorers for Swinton Lions Andrew Badrock uh, Rodri Lloyd got six Joshua Evans got seven but uh, Brad Rocks with seven tries that showed the class he's got. Yeah, certainly, certainly. You know, scored some good tries there, as you said. Rodri Lloyd as well is always there and thereabouts. Uh, you know, he's, he's been a terrific player for, for Swinton in the time he's been there. He's been there a long time now as well. So, yeah, some good performances last season from from the players. And, and, they, and they did. They, they, you know, they, they certainly were a, were a tough side to beat at home. You know, Haywood Road, they're always difficult to beat down there. Had some good days. And I think if you look at the crowd as well, I think the crowd's improved, you know, you know a lot last season. So, uh, there's a lot to be positive about. You know, they've made Haywood Road into, into their sort of home over the last few years now. And it's a really tough place to go. And I'm sure it'll be the same in 2024. Yeah. Busy recruiting for 2024, like you said, Alan Kilshaw, the new coach. I mean, do you see any pressure on him? Obviously, you know, after last season, uh, keeping him up in Super League, has he got bigger ambitions for this Swinton Lions team, you think? Yeah, I don't see why not. You know, he's, a, he's an astute coach. Um, you know, he's, he's been around the, 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 for a good few years now, as I said, coaching at, at different clubs and, and, and sort of learning his apprenticeship in the game, if you like. And, you know, he's, he's very highly regarded. Um, so I, I think he'd do a, do a terrific job there and you know, you've got some experienced players as I mentioned before Rodri Lloyd he's, he's probably one of the most experienced players at the, at the club but you know there's there's some other good players in there as well you've got Mike Butt who's been there for a while they've got a new cliff of a side that's been there you know, together for, for a while now haven't they Swinton you know, certain players that have been there for a long time. So so I, I think this could be another good season for them. I, I really do. I don't think they've got a massive squad, but uh, there's, there's, a, there's a fair bit of quality in that squad as well. And you know, um, another player, Dan Abram, he's another good player that knows that that league. Matty Wilkinson, I think, is at Swinton as well. So remember him from Salford. So they, they, there's some good players there. Yeah, also brought in new faces, Reese Williams and Jack Stevens from Salford Red Devils. Obviously, looking to build a bigger squad, a stronger squad to compete week in, week out in that division. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think the, the Reese Williams signing was a, was a terrific signing. You know, we spoke to Reese at the end of the, the season at Salford and you know, um, he was he was always going to be leaving because I think he's, he's working now as well. He's going part-time. So I think he's gone to be a fireman, if I'm not mistaken. But I know he's gone working as well. So that's a perfect fit for Reese. And, you know, he, he was terrific for us last season when he got the, the chance at Salford, wasn't he? He never let us down. So I think in the Championship, I think he'll do the do Swinton Lions a great job there. So, uh, and Jack Stevens, you just mentioned as well. I mean, we all had really high hopes for Jack at Salford. I was very, very disappointed as a Salford supporter 
to find out he was leaving because uh, I thought he, he'd, he'd make it with us and get the chance to make it with us. So I think uh, at Swinton now he's got a perfect opportunity to really have a, a massive close season, really get his head down and he could be one of the stars of the championship because we've seen him in action at Salford, haven't we, making his debut and playing in friendly games and you know he, he looks the part, doesn't he? So I think with uh, with experience under his belt and serving his apprenticeship, if you like, in the championship, you know, playing week in, week out at a really good level, I think that could really bring him on and mature him as a player. Yeah, looking at the uh, championship, Paul, there's a few very good teams in that uh, division. Um, where who do you see competing at the top in 2024? Well, I think Wakefield are going to be the um, the favourites, aren't they? If you if you look at the bookies, they've they've got them down as odds on favourites. They've got a good squad there, haven't they? As well, they've kept quite a few players from last season. So um, I think Wakefield are going to be your favourites. You've got Toulouse as well, who, who lost that grand final last year, didn't they? Um, to London Broncos, and that was a massive surprise. Featherstone Rovers were like the lead leaders all season, wasn't they? The leading lights in the championship, and ended up making a bit of a porridge of it in the playoffs. So you'd say Featherstone would be there as well. Bradford Bulls, are they going to be aside this time? I think I, for me, I'd be saying Wakefield and, and Featherstone are probably the two teams that are going to be there or thereabouts. But you know, Halifax are always tough to beat on their own ground. Sheffield Eagles have had a couple of good seasons as well. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a really open league that. But obviously, the, the two sides with the with the big squads of Featherstone and, uh, and Wakefield. Yeah, let's just talk about general rugby league before we move on to Salford Devils. Two big things that are happening in the rugby league community. We'll talk about the IMG point system that's due to come into place in 2025. Uh, clubs have been looking at their scores, improving all aspects of the club. Uh, Swinton Lions were part of that. Salford Devils were part of that. Uh, what do you think of that should that kind of thing be involved in in the sport or should it be left uh, to promotion relegation to figure out who should be in the top division? Uh, well, for me personally, Rob, my opinion, I think it's promotion and relegation. I think sports should be measured on your success on the field, shouldn't it? Um, I don't think any other sport would do it like I don't think football would do it like that. So I think it would upset too many people. I'm a traditionalist, so that's what I was brought up on. So um, I don't like to get into the ins and outs. So I think you've got to have enough money to run a club as well. You, you can't just be, you know, boom and bust, that sort of thing. You, you know, people have got to have the, the right finances in place. But if the, if the team's good on the field and, you know, the ground's, you know, OK, you know, why not Why not have that, that dream for teams? I mean, if you take that away from teams in sport, I think it... He sort of sanitises it a bit, really, doesn't it? So I'm not a massive fan of this 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 IMG business, to be honest with you. Yeah, Swinton Lions got 7.21 in the club grading in 2023, which gave them a C mark, and Salford Devils got 13.80, which gave them a B mark. There are a few uh, A grades: Leeds Rhinos, Wigan Warriors, Saint Helens, Catalan Dragons. Uh, Warrington Wolves, Hull Kingston Rovers and Hull FC both got A marks. Obviously, that will guarantee them Super League status for 2024 and beyond. But there is a lot of clubs under uh, them, the likes of Huddersfield Giants, Wakefield Trinity, Lee Leopards, Casper Tigers, who are renowned for being in the top division, who might struggle to get into the 12 uh, come 2025 and beyond. Yeah, well, it, it looks that way, doesn't it? You know, there's there's other sides that are, you know, Toulouse, I think, are a side that have got ambitions to, to get back to Super League. London Broncos is, is a funny one. If you look at London, they've just got promoted this season. But if you look at their IMG ranking, there's not much hope for them to be in there in 2025, is there? So, you know, it's that's going to be a strange one. Because if London survive next season, they could have a really good season and wind up being turfed out for the, for the next season. So, 
I suppose there's a lot that's going to happen now in this next 12 months. You know, teams that are on that border are going to be panicking a bit. I mean, Salford's one of them, really, aren't they? So we're not guaranteed. So I think we've got to keep working hard off the field and obviously, you know, try and get as many points as we can to make sure we're in that the, the top flight come come the season in 2025. So there could be a bit of rejigging there, couldn't there? And, and teams uh, overtaking each other. It, really, the recipe's there for a disaster really and infighting and arguments and all sorts isn't there you know it really is it could be a real powder keg waiting to go off that I hope it's not but um, you know rugby league does tend to to shoot itself in the foot doesn't it sometimes so let's hope it all goes off okay and you know teams are all right and they get to where they want to be yeah and the second big change coming in 2024 for the community game and the professional um leagues in 2025 is the uh, height tackles of the tackles that are made in the game are being reduced to armpit level. Uh, what do you make of that? Obviously, a lot of talk about players' health uh, in the game and this the hope in this kind of thing will, will stop any head injuries uh, which players may suffer from later in life. Yeah, well, at the end of the day, Rob, it's a sport, I think, and I think it's the sport has always carried risks, hasn't it? Any sport does. You know, you've got combat sports and things like that and they carry risks, don't they? You can't say in boxing, can you can't punch someone in the face, you've got to punch them in the body. Um, there's, there's a risk there so um, I, I don't know I think you're opening a can of worms really with this one it, it could really sanitise the game it could put people off the game it could slow the game down it could be the end of the game really you know if you're talking about I've heard people talking about lawsuits and all sorts of stuff at the moment and suing the game and it, it just it, I don't know you either want to play the game or you don't so um, you know people have got the choice haven't they? it's like anything in life you know no one forces you to smoke cigarettes or, or vapes or drink beer or take drugs or, or whatever, do they? But it's your choice. Um, so if players want to play. I know the big thing at the moment is the insurance thing. I think the insurance premiums have gone up tenfold, haven't they, for, for, for sports like rugby league. So, um, so yeah, it's going to be a difficult one to police. But for, for me, I think there are subtle changes we could have made in the game. If you look at a lot of the injuries now, a lot of the injuries are collision injuries, I think, you know, shoulders and things like that, because the players are so big. You look at the size of players from 20, 30 years ago, they're nowhere near as, well, as big as they are now. So perhaps we've created something there. I mean, we've also got the 10-yard rule. It always used to be a five-yard rule. I think if you've got a bloke running at you from five yards, you've got less chance of injuring your shoulder or a collision injury than somebody picking up a head of steam running at you from 10 yards. So perhaps that's something we need to look at as well. From a player welfare point of view, I think another thing for me would be to get rid of the uh, the six again rule. I think that that just kills teams. I mean, you talk about looking after players. Well, you never get a break, you know, with that six again. It's like, go again, go again. And especially in the summertime when it's absolutely boiling. So there is things that the, the game could look at as well. But the tackling one, I think you te- you, you're telling players there to, to completely look at their tackling tackling technique, something that they've probably done since they've been five or six years old. And they're going to have to look at that and make sure they've got that right. Because if you don't, you can see the game's just being littered with penalties because players are going to have to do it do it right and, and, and get that technique right. And we've seen last season the, the different techniques. I mean, the guy from Lee, that John Asiata, how many times was, was he penalised for sort of cannonballing at people's legs? People aren't going to be able to do that anymore. So it, it really is going to be, you know, referees are going to scrutinise it, aren't they? And, and, the, and the microscope's really going to be on that. Yeah, there was other things that are going to be brought in. A mandatory off-season of four weeks for the professional players. Obviously, with the international games being played towards the end of the season and pre-season starting for our Super League clubs and Championship clubs, sort of November, December time, it won't give our top players much chance uh, to rest their bodies. No, no, it won't. And I don't think they get much time anyway, Rob, because if you think about the... 
you know, the, the grand final, if you're a, you're a player that plays in the playoffs and you're in, you know, a top top sort of five, top six side in the playoffs, then you get picked for international duty as well. Um, you don't get long then, do you, before the sort of season after starts pre-season training. I think, you know, lads start in, in November, December time, don't they, for pre-season. So, you've played to the end of October, you're only having a couple of weeks anyway, and then, you, then you're back in again. So, and being flogged in pre-season training. So, the way the league is structured... You know, from um, you know your, your games kicking off in February and ending in sort of October, international duty as well. You don't really get a lot of time to to rest and recuperate. Yeah, and they're also talking about limiting the amount of games that players can play in a twelve month period, and that also will affect our top players because they will want to play in the you know the games against Australia, against New Zealand, or against uh, Samoa, um, and will the clubs who pay them every week and look after them through the year will have to sacrifice them players uh, in the season to give them opportunity to play the bigger games at the back end. Well, I think that that hurts teams that. Um... Have not got a big squad. Say you've not got a big squad, you've not got a reserve team, you've got a flat squad of 25, 24 players or whatever, um, and then you've got players who can't who, who can't play. Then you're looking at, well, who are we going to play because we've not got any players, so do we have to forfeit that game because we can't put a squad out? So that, that's where that one becomes a bit a bit tricky. So, uh, so yeah, and like you said as well, players want to play, don't they? Can you imagine it coming to the playoffs and it's at the back end of the season, massive games coming up and player A, for example, well, he can't play in that game because he needs a rest now. He's played too many games. You know, it really, I don't know, it just, it just seems a, a bit of a crazy rule, that one. Yeah. And also rules that are under consideration for 2024 are a five-metre retreat. Like you said, in, in back in the day, that's what that was. Looking to bring that back. Uh, Two-player tackles, one marker on the on the tackle, no lifting of the ball carrier, no slinging, throwing uh, or swinging for players, uh, no falling on any players that are lay on the floor, no ankle taps and no uncontested f- scrums. I suppose if you take all them a- away, Paul, it's a different game altogether. Yeah, we might as well go and play Ludo or something, haven't we? <laughs> because uh, <laughs> there's not going to be much left to do. No ankle taps. Mm. But the thing is, what, you, what you're saying here, though, is to players, um, you've got to remember all this when you're out there on the field. You know, playing for 80 minutes. You know, on the cold white a day when you sat in the classroom, they were learning this. It's probably nice and easy, but when you're on a pitch and the game's going at 100 mile an hour and you've got to tackle someone to get yourself into, you know, a final or something, you know, it's, it all happens in the heat of the moment, doesn't it, on on, on game day? So, uh, so yeah, the players have got so much to remember. There, you can't do this, you can't do that. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. It's gonna be difficult for the referee to police as well because you know he's only got two eyes, hasn't he, the referee? So he's gonna be relying on his touch judges. Uh, does it mean we're going to be going to the video replay more to, to check things like that? I, I don't know. Is that you know? Will it become like football, like VAR, where we're going to have a look at this and go and have a look at that because referees not spotted that tackle? So I don't know. It's gonna it's going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds. But um, I don't know. Talking about it, it just sounds a bit depressing. Really, the game we love is is sort of being taken away from us slightly. Yeah, there's also. Paul in 2024 and 2025 there's going to be concussion spotters which helps which will help the referee spot players who are suffering from head injury obviously you know it's a tough game and our players safety is paramount but I wonder how the referee will be able to to rule over as just a random person who, who look who's just watching players' reaction rather than watching the game, and then has to signal to the referee that he's concussed. And how does he overrule a club's medical staff who runs on and checks the player out and and decides that he is fit to play? It's really a, a grey area that. 
he certainly is, and yeah, he, he's, he's making the game sort of even more complicated. We know that you know players' injuries and, and players' health in any sport is, is paramount, isn't it? You know, we, we see that all the time in, in combat sports and contact sports. But um, but yeah, I mean, he's how are you going to police these things? I suppose, isn't it? And um, how it's all going to work? And is the game going to have to stop? You know, because people don't like stoppages in the game, do they? So yeah, you're not just talking one or two rule changes. Are you? You're talking about a whole sort of root and branch sort of change to the game, really, aren't you? The, the, the game. I don't think the game's ever seen changes like this in the time I've watched it. So um, so yeah, it could be a completely different sport that we're watching. Yeah. Obviously, talking about a totally different sport that we are watching. Obviously, they moved to Super uh, Summer Rugby. Um, rugby League used to be played in the winter. And we used to have Boxing Day clashes between the likes of Swinton and Salford. But now, unfortunately, <coughs> kind of sort of reduced to, to friendlies, not on Boxing Day, but on different days. Do you think that's sad that both teams aren't able to, to face off in a league sort of competition or even a cup competition on, on Boxing Day? Yeah, it, it does feel. Um, yeah, it does. It, it's not not the same now. And I know, you know, a lot of people might say that the, the game was better in the in the winter. I, mean, I don't know. You could make your own choice on that. I mean, but again, going back to player welfare. I mean, it can't be. It can't be good for players' sort of knees and elbows and shoulders playing on rock hard pitches in the summer. Um, I don't think that does us any good, does it? But then you could say the same thing about winter because pitches are hard then, aren't they? So, uh, but yeah, I do miss those sort of traditional games, friendly games, and, the <coughs> and things like that. Again, playing Swinton and, and teams like that, you do miss it. But you know, it, was, it was always freezing wasn't it, when we played, you know, lots of old at Watersheddings and, and places like that. So, uh, so yeah, game has moved on slightly. But uh, but no, I think we've discussed it on the podcast before. I think there's not enough um, cup competitions and things in the in the sport. I mean, I know we've got the these loop fixtures that we have now. I mean, I'd love to see them scrapped and just play everybody home and away, and perhaps just introduce a cup, another cup competition, whether it's at the start of the season or, or towards the back end of the season. Um, I think that would be better. I think at the moment you've only got the Challenge Cup and the, and the Super League, and you know if you get you know poor start to the season, you get knocked out of the cup. Not really got much to play for, have you? So I think something else. You know, perhaps scrap that Magic Weekend. I mean, we've got that this time. We're going to Ellen Road in Leeds. Is it really? Is that really spreading the game to a place which had a rugby league team for hundred odd years? So, I think there's a lot of things we could change and to, to make the game better. Yeah, I suppose rugby league and rugby union split <coughs> merged over or split over a few about hundred years ago, something like that. And you know, rugby league decided to ditch the line outs, decided to to ditch the malls and create their own uh, game. Obviously, the rules that we've we've talked about uh, will take time for supporters to to get used to. Uh, but we just don't know what what rugby league will look like in the next ten years. Never mind a hundred. No, we don't. If we'll still have a game, I, I don't know. It's um, it's a strange one, isn't it? The, the way things are going. But I'm pretty sure there'll still be a sport. Um, you know, things go in cycles, don't they? Life goes in cycles sometimes. And you know, at the moment, the spotlight's on things. But uh, I'm sure things will start to settle down, won't they? And uh, we'll get back to the game we love. But if you th- if you think back to you know, when you're a kid and you're playing the game at school or whatever, you're always taught, to me, I, I was when I played at school, was to tackle around the legs anyway. So if you do it right and tackle somebody around the legs and, and not around the head, you, you're playing the game right. And perhaps the game will be more skillful. You know, perhaps we'll see more offloading. Perhaps that sort of high shot sort of thing we see now will, will, will drift out of the game and the game will become more pure as, as to what it once was. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. 
it will be interesting to see what happens in rugby league in 2024 and beyond. Obviously, the change of rules, the change uh, of the IMG point system, you know, putting teams in different uh, sort of divisions. What would you like to change in rugby league, given this is a Christmas uh, period podcast, uh, radio show? Paul, you know, what would you uh, like to change in rugby league if you could? Well, I've, I've mentioned one there before and I've said it to you before on the podcast. I, I think the, the 10 metre rule, I'd love to see that come back to five metres. I think that has caused so many injuries over the past few years with shoulders and things like that. You look at two forwards going at each other and our forward charging the ball in from, you know, having, having that, you know, that momentum to, to, to get ahead of steam up. I mean, I know we love the collisions and, and that and people love the big hits, but it can't be good for your body. That can't be good for your shoulders and things like that. I think when we did have the five metre rule, you saw a lot more more skill, more off-the-cuff stuff, you know, ball playing forwards. You had to get the ball out then because the defensive line was up on you straight away. So you did see a bit more skill in the game. So, um, so yeah, I, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see contested scrums come back. I think I think the scrum's just a, a breaking play now. I think it'd be great to see the scrums contested, but I don't think that'll ever come back. But that, these are things what made the game great in the first place. So, yeah, I think I think the five-metre rule is, is a big one. I, I think that'll bring a lot of skill back to the game and, um, and yeah, make those tricky halfbacks and... We've said it before, I've said it before to you, I think a lot of teams play the same way now, don't they all play to a structure? And and we miss that that sort of crafty half-back, don't we, that we used to have. You know, you go back to like the likes of Roger Millward and people like that, Alan Hardesty, Andy Gregory, those sort of people from the past. Let's see more of them. We used to beat Australia when we had these guys playing for us, so, uh, you know, perhaps we could do that again. Yeah, I would like to change um, that the, the play is less structured. Like you said, uh, previous years previous generations you've got maverick players who made magic happen it seems very mechanical uh, the way rugby league's played now you, you drive five and kick deep and squeeze or get within 10 yards and kick for the corner i want to see players entertain i want to see players create and i saw you know lots of that in the 70s and the 80s and the early 90s players wanting to play rather than playing percentages and, and kicking to corners or trying to get repeat sets. Uh, yeah, it's great for the, you know, for the team that, you know, gives them opportunity to score, but where's the entertainment value in that ball? I want to see tries. I want to see action. I don't want to see kicking to the corner and having a 50-50 challenge for a winger. It's not entertainment for me, that. No, no, you, you do. You want to see that skill, that skill, don't you? And like you said, there, there's been some great players. I mean, one I should have said there, Alex Murphy is another one. He was another crafty halfback. I have to say, mention him, won't I? But there's been great players like that, and that's what made made us fall in love with the game. That 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 sort of skill, and you know, I think sometimes now it does. It, it is very methodical, isn't it? You know, five drives and, and, and a kick can can you know. I think there's quite a few teams who play like that where they'll try and pen you down and play the percentage game, but. I think it's better. I mean, you look at not not so much last season, but I think the season before when we almost got to the grand final, some of the rugby was playing under Paul Roller. I mean, everyone was saying how great we were, how exciting it was, how we were moving the ball out wide early. And it was fantastic to watch. I mean, me and you were, were together at loads of those games, weren't we, and uh, doing the, the commentary and what have you. And we'd never seen anything like that before, had we? We'd seen some good teams. We'd seen them get to the grand final in 2019. But that 20, um, 2022 season, some of the rugby that season, it was... It was out of this world, wasn't it? The way, the way we destroyed St. Helens at home and I think Huddersfield at home, Catalans at home. These were the top sides, weren't they? You know, winning trophies and we were ripping them to pieces. So, yeah, I, I think that that's that's what we, we pay to go and see, don't we? We do. We do it indeed, Paul. And obviously, we, we talk about improving the sport. We talk about uh, the 
talent coming through. Is rugby league any closer to beating the Australians? Obviously, the Australians are the best in the world. They've got, you know, unbelievable talent at every level, uh, pushing to be in the NRL. Are, you know, Super League and, and rugby league any closer to, to, to topping them? Um, I don't know. I mean, well, look at New Zealand. It wiped the floor with them, didn't they, in that... Um... That, that Nations tournament they had in the uh, couple of months ago, last month I think it was, wasn't it? Mm. But no, we never seem to um, we never seem to be to be there, do we, against Australia? I, I think you know, looking at the Australian league, watching their grand final, watching how good Penrith were in that final, storming back to win it. There's some magical players over there. I mean, Ivan Cleary for one, I'd, I'd pay top dollar to go and watch him every. Some of the stuff he does. Uh, and, and a lot of those Australian players do it. It's fantastic stuff. The way they can pinpoint where they're going to bang the ball and then, you know, score a try for the next set and drop goals from sort of sixty yards out. It's, it's amazing stuff to watch, isn't it? But no, I think we, we've got a chance. But the only way you're going to keep up to that level is keep playing those teams. And I think at the moment, international rugby league, we're not there, are we? With it, there's there's not that interest there. I don't think we don't seem to be able to play Australia. Australia have got their own things, got their own tournament there now, haven't they? Playing New Zealand, so you know they we don't seem to meet them as much as we used to do. But international rugby league is the pinnacle for me. We need to make sure that we're playing test matches and test series and and things at the end of the season. I know Fiji was supposed to be was it Fiji supposed to come in next season? They're not coming now, uh, which is disappointing. But um, but yeah, international rugby league is, is the is the one really. That's what we need to, to focus on. Mm, and I think also what's interesting is the Australians. I think have started their own magic weekend, but we're getting rid of ours. How, how do you think that's going to work? Obviously, Australia, like you say, with origin and the very 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 high standard, and we're trying to ditch us. Where Australia having there as well? Well, all over. Yeah, yeah I, I believe so. Yeah, I mean the. I heard that they were going to be having it in Las Vegas and places like that, and we're having ours in Leeds. So, so <laughs> no, it's uh, no. I think their their game is, is is probably light years ahead of ours, isn't it? That NRL, it's you look at the attendances and the you know the popularity of it, and you know, just the coverage that it gets. I think it's 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 out of this world, isn't it? Australian rugby league, it's up there with Premier League football, isn't it? Mm. Uh, but but I think for us as a game you've not got to sit there back and just admire it. You've got to use that as a benchmark and try and try try your best to get up to that level. I think you have to do that in sport, don't you? You look at teams, you look at players and, and you want to emulate them and, and be like them, don't you? So rugby league for me at the moment, it just like a bit of ambition, doesn't it? You know, it always seems like we do things on, on off the cuff. You know, we, we, we go into Leeds for the Magic Week and I know we couldn't go to Newcastle because it's in August and, and the football team are playing. So, for one thing, why have it in August when you know that you can't have it at Newcastle then? So you, you've just gone for like second best, haven't you? Oh, we'll have it at Leeds. It's like an afterthought, really, isn't it? And, you know, sport should be like that. It should be more organised. You know, we should be organising things and doing things the right way. So that's that's how we get we get supporters in. So maybe have Magic Weekend at a new place. You don't have to have it at a 50,000 seat stadium. Just have it somewhere new and, and do it like that. I think it would have been better than doing it the way we've done it. Mm, it'd be interesting to see what happens in 2024 and beyond for Rugby League. Let's move back to our local side, Sulphur Devils. They had a interesting season in 2023, finished in seventh place, won, uh, played 27, won 13, lost 14, ended with uh, 18 points, uh, sorry, 26 points, not unfortunately able to get in that playoff spot. No, it was, it was a tough season, Rob. I mean, we, we mentioned before... It, on the podcast we had a good start to the season 
and I think that there was a game at St. Helens, and I've said this a dozen times, I think, where we lost Shane Wright, and for me it was a turning point in the season. We seemed to get a lot of injuries at that time. It seemed to take our confidence away, and uh, you know that that had a big bearing on where we were because we only had a small squad. But I thought I thought we battled really well. We we won some good games. We we lost a few games at home, particularly the league game, the Leeds game, the St. Helens game. Games we should have won, really, and, and we just came up short in those games. Heroic performances, but just came up short. So that, in the end, was the, the difference between us finishing in the top six and, and not finishing in the top six, if you like. So I think we, we ran out of steam at the end. I think the Catalan game was a bit of a bridge too far for us at the end of the season. But even in that game, was it 19 points to eight, something like that? We weren't we weren't swamped. We, we, we have a good account of ourselves. We worked really hard. I don't think anybody really hammered us all season. I think we got well beaten Catalan, didn't we, in that game? But yet again, we went over there on low numbers. King Bunny, how you are, and his farce at the airport where he didn't bother going. So that was low on numbers going over there. But um, I, I thought it was a, was a hard-working season, um, a difficult season, but I thought it was a lot of hard work shown there and uh, you know a lot of honest endeavour. And we, we just came up short at the end of it. Yeah, victories against Lee. Hull FC, Wakefield, Lee again, Casford Tigers, Catalan Dragons, uh, Leeds uh, for Paul Rowley's men. What was your personal highlight? Um, I, I thought the games at Lee, particularly the, the first game of the season, was a massive win. You know, um, going there, you know, into the the Leopards Den. I was going to say Lions Den, but the Leopards Den there at Lee, wasn't it? All the fireworks and the, the music and all the sort of jamboree that Lee brought to the league. I thought we went there in the opening night and did a really good job. Going to Leeds as well, I thought that was a real professional performance to, to win there. It's always tough going there. And, and we did a good job that night on, on Leeds. I thought the first half against St. Helens at home was absolutely outstanding. 15 points to two up at half-time. And obviously, we lost that game in the second half. I, I thought it was unlucky. I thought it was a few decisions that were, went against us in a few of those games. When you look at that Lee game at home, I think there was a try they scored. And he was well short of the line or in touch, if I can remember rightly. So, so yeah, we, we did get the rubber to green at times. But no, for me, I thought the Lee games were highlights. I thought we went there and played really, really well. And, uh, and Leeds away was a good one. Warrington at home as well in the extra time. That was a, a real thriller. Yeah. And Huddersfield away. I'm, I'm racking my brains up. Huddersfield away was a great performance. Yeah. For me, uh, Paul, like you said, Warrington golden point, Sam Stone golden try, and also Wakefield at home, Mark Snead drop goal uh, to send Paul Rowley's uh, men and fans in the Sofa Stadium into jubilation. Uh, we've talked about the golden point rule and how it's kind of worked in Super League. You think it's worked well this season? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it worked well for us all. Okay, that <laughs> yeah. I think it's very, very exciting, Rob, when a game goes to golden point. And it's, you know, whether we've... We've seen like the Challenge Cup last season. There was some great games that went to to extra time, wasn't there? And thrilling finishes. And you look at the two semi-finals in the cup and the final. I thought there was absolutely brilliant adverts for the sport, and it was so exciting. The edgy seat sort of stuff. We had that one against Wakefield, didn't we? Um, earlier in the season, and then we had the, the Warrington one as well. Um, yeah, I think I think it's a good rule. I mean, I don't know as a purist. I mean, I'm a traditionalist of rugby. I think a draw is a fair result, but if you're gonna have it. I'm 50-50. I don't mind the draw and I don't mind the extra time. Whatever the rules are, I'd go with them because I think a draw is fair, but the extra time makes it that little bit more exciting. And, uh, you know, we, we've been in some good ones, haven't we? we, we we've done all right in Golden Point extra time. We've lost a few, but we've, I think we've won more than we've lost, if my memory is any good. Yeah, I think the real turning point for Paul Rowley's men uh, was the Hull Kingston Rollers 
Cup defeat. After that, yeah. Salford only managed three wins in 12 games. Um, why do you think Salford's farm dropped so dramatically during that period? You, you, you spot on. I, 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 you just wrapped my brains there. Yeah, that Cup game. I, I thought we were favourites in that Cup game to go to Hulkar and win. I thought we were playing really well at the time. Um, for one reason or another, they were better than us on that day and a, and a mile better than us as well. They wanted it more than us and, and I think it sapped our energy and it sapped our confidence, that win, because after that win, like you said, we, we just seemed to drop off and, you know, they got to Wembley Hulk, I know they got beat against Lee, but um, that could have been us, that, if we'd have got through that game there, I think we'd have played possibly Wigan in the semi-finals and, you know, that could have been us going to Wembley, so I think that took a lot out of the players. I think injuries as well caught up with us, but but that, that game at Hulkingston Rovers, you know, they had the wood on us last season, really, they beat us, I think, they beat us three times last season, or maybe four times. I can't remember. I think we mm. we at Magic Weekend, didn't we? They, they they beat us well in the um, in the league game up there, didn't they? At the end of the season, um, that was a, I think we got nilled there, didn't we? So um, so yeah, they they really did a, do a job on us last year. So yeah, that was a big turning point in that cup defeat. Yeah, looking at the uh, the stats, uh, Paul, we scored seventy nine tries in total, which put us in tenth place in the try scoring charts. Made eight thousand three hundred eighty five tackles, which put us in fifth place. Uh, and marker tackles were one thousand five hundred ninety seven tackles, which were first place. Obviously, we talk about Rowley Ball, um, but defensive efforts are key if you want to be successful. Yeah, I think. Any decent side is, is, is built on the defence, aren't they, really? You've got to get your defence right and, and get things right at the, the back of the, the team before you can start, you know, marauding around and scoring tries. So, um, you know, defence is, is key, isn't it, sometimes? And, you know, it definitely is in Super League, isn't it, some of the, the teams that you're playing against there? So, big defensive efforts. And, you know, going forward into 2024, we need to be organised in defence again because I think we lost... Far too many home games last season for me. We we need to make you know our stadium a, a fortress again and you know tighten things up. We let some sloppy tries in and, and lost a lot of games by a couple of points, didn't we? Where it could have made all the difference. Yeah, and obviously the downside of, of Salford's season uh, was the meters that that they made, which was three. Uh, well, 31,450 metres, which put us in 10th place in the uh, Super League table with an average gain of 6 metres and 2 centimetres, which put us in 11th place. And we only had 106 clean breaks, uh, which put us in 10th place. Yeah, I bet Brody Croft made a lot of them breaks as well, didn't he? And we won't have him next season. So I think just going to the, the, the metres made, you know, there's a simple answer to that in the size of the pack. I think our pack's probably one of the smallest in the league and we were crying out for uh, for a big fall, wasn't we? When Brad Singleton came in, you know, mid-season, you know, towards the end of the season, I think he was a was a massive signing for us and it did help us there towards the back end of the year. But there was, there was no doubt we, we were low on numbers and low on forwards, weren't we? And teams were... Teams were bullying us at times, weren't they? So, um, you know, we seem to have, um, have addressed that in the close season. You look at the signs that we've made. We've signed some decent forwards there. Not the biggest of forwards, but some agile players, some some clever players as well. So, uh, Shane Wright coming back next year from injury is going to be a massive one for us. He's a big man, big forward, and we missed him last season. So, uh, so yeah, that's something we need to get right, though, because you can't be forward until that team's bully around the pitch. Yeah, and obviously Salford could well be called bullies because they were top of the penalty chart with 200 penalties conceded in the year. Obviously, Paul Rowley talks about how expansive his team is, but if you're conceding 200 penalties, it uh, means you're doing having to do extra tackles, which isn't good for anyone. 
No, and at times we commented, didn't we, on our podcast and what have you, the, the, the penalties were needless ones, weren't they? A lot of them were soft penalties we give away, you know, lying on and, and things like that. And, you know, there's certain players that will remain nameless in the team, but we, can, we all know we're talking about, who gave a lot of death penalties away, didn't they? And became penalty machines at times. So, you know, a lot of it's frustration and, and, and lazy arms, lazy tackling. But we were talking before in the in the show, weren't we, about, you know, the tackling technique that's going to have to change. You're not going to be allowed to, to just leave a lazy arm out in future because you're going to get penalised. And, and with the new rules, you're going to be sent off, aren't you? I would have thought so if you're tackling around the head so those lazy arms and clotheslining people you, you can't be doing that you've got to get your tackling right you've got to work hard you've got to work hard at marker as well because the, the referees will ping you for it won't they so um, so we, we've got to be better in that respect yeah you might see mass retirements in 2025 if uh, the tackling technique comes in well yeah I mean I don't know the protocol I mean you might be able to, to, to educate me on this but I know there's been players, hasn't there? Uh, I think Lachlan Coote was one last season who had that many head knocks and he retired, didn't he? Is there a number of sort of head knocks you can have before, you know, it's it's called a day? Because I know Andy Ackers was, he had quite a few last season, didn't he? And, um, you know, is there, a, is there a number of head knocks you're allowed to take? I think it's, yeah, I think it's three. And then if you have another one, that's you done, full stop. Mm. So you can't have sort of another one for, I think it's like six weeks or something. So if you have sort of four in like a, I know eight week period then you might have to medically retire so that's why players in clubs are very cautious because obviously these players are paid a vast amount of money the club invests a lot of money into them and they've got to be fit they've got to make sure that they're fit to play so uh, both sides like we said we talked about Andy Akers who's now departed to Leeds he had I think it was two or three head knocks uh, in weeks, in succession weeks. And then he had an eight-week period off to try and, uh, you know, fix it and make sure he was conscious and ready to play uh, when he was fit. Well, I was thinking about Andy Akers the other day and I was thinking perhaps he's only one head knock away from retirement. Really. Mm. You know, I know he's gone to Leeds, but, you know, that is that. I'm not saying that's why I sort of got rid of him, but, you know, it's um, is a, a concern. I'd be concerned if I was Leeds' coach, really. So you want to make sure he's right. But I didn't know that. I didn't know it was only four. I can say only four. It's a lot, isn't it? Four. But, you know, you could easily hurt your head, couldn't you? Two games running and then, you know, two more and it's it's a good night at Vienna. But, no, it's got to be right, hasn't it? And hopefully, if, if one good thing comes out about this tackling, tackling technique, it will stop a lot of these concussions. And Because we've seen it, haven't we? We've seen players reckless uh, come up with stupid tackles and that, and you wonder why they do it sometimes. But it's dangerous, and it, you know it could really end someone's career. Yeah, um, talking about the <coughs> three season, uh, you spoke to Chris Atkin at uh, the final game of the season about the season. This is what you had to say. Right, I'd like to say for the final time. Well, not for the final time. What is your to play in the playoffs? But Chris Atkin joins me. A real tough season, that Chris. Isn't cutting that to not make that top six? Yeah, hugely. Um, obviously, you know you look back at last year. How well we did, you know, making the playoffs, and we were so close to something special. Um, and this year, that was our goal to make that top six and give ourselves every chance. So, you know, to to not make the top six and, and kind of finish the season in that way, I know obviously it wasn't in our hands in the end. Um, but it's still probably disappointing that that probably sums up our season uh, tonight. How difficult has it been? Because we started the season really well, but injuries has took its toll on this squad and you know, other things as well. It is a small squad. It's difficult, isn't it, to keep going? But I think like tonight, your commitment to the cause is never, you know, it's never in question, is it really? I mean, Catalans were massive there, packed, but you just kept tackling them and kept doing your job. It must be, it must be difficult for you, you know, 
against all odds coming out every week. Yeah, it's obviously difficult. We can look back at different things through the season, whether it's injuries or results or decisions, and and um, you know probably try and find a reason why we didn't make the playoffs. But ultimately, it's the squad that we've got is good enough. Everyone in that squad is is a super league player, and we we strive to be better each week and and do it for each other. But um, like you said, unfortunately, there's only six teams that can kind of get in that. Um, playoffs, uh, so you know, we're really, really disappointed with, with that, and you know, we're not going to necessarily look for excuses. We've got to try and switch off, recover, and regroup. And again, I think we've, we've moved forward in some areas, um, and then in others, we've let ourselves down. So we've got to find that right balance. It's fine margins sometimes, isn't it? I think there's been a lot of games down here this season where people say, "Oh, you, you need to win your home games. You need to be good at home." You've lost a lot of narrow defeats, and ultimately, they're, they're what cost you at the end of the day. And you've got to make your home a fortress, haven't you? Yeah, definitely. We've got to make it a tough place. And I think from last year, we we probably built a, a reputation that it would be tough to come in and, and our teams to get a win. And we probably, yeah, like I said, we let ourselves down at times. Um, but we want to, like I said, we want to make this place that a tough place to come and really win our home games and that puts you in you know a position where you can pick up those away wins um, like we have done this season and, and put ourselves and obviously there's a few games that you know we could we could pick out or single out there if we win them and or incidents in those that we'd be in a different position but ultimately everything's in our hands at the, t- at the time and it wasn't, wasn't enough I think you can hold your head high, Chris. I think you've done excellent this season along with the lads. How are you going to spend the off-season? Are you looking forward to a bit of time? Because it's tough on your body. I mean, how's your body holding up? Yeah, it's holding up. Obviously, it's been a been a tough season. I think I've um, you know, been involved in every game this season. You in text some hammer as well, don't you? My dad always says that. You always text plenty of hammer, Chris, in the games. And you do, don't you? Yeah, I try to obviously you know, get stuck in and, and do the job that the boys need me to do and that Rolls and, and Ags want. And sometimes, obviously... It's not been quite there, I don't think, for myself personally this year, um, for whatever reason. But, you know, like you said, I think the squad will always put ourselves forward, we'll always put ourselves on the line and, and kind of die for each other out there and give it 100% and that can never be questioned. So um, that's that's a good place to start. And then we've just got to fix all the, the small stuff out. But it's obviously not small, it's it's really the, the, the main parts of what could be a successful team. You're here next season. How, how long have you got left on your contract now? Uh, so I've re-signed this year for another two years. So I've got next year in the year. So we won't say looking forward to it. You need a bit of time off now, mate. But thanks for all the interviews and speaking to us this season. All the best, mate. No, it's been a pleasure. Year, and, uh, yeah, thanks for everything that you and and the guys do with the, the podcast. Oh, I wish it means a lot for all the fans and you know for the lads helping the club. Cheers, Chris. Cheers. a lot. Thanks, buddy. Thank so that was Chris Atkin talking to yourself, uh, Paul, and obviously, you know, looking forward to 2024. Yeah, certainly, yeah. And and yeah, Chris Atkin is one of our, our key players, isn't he? And uh, I'm sure he's looking forward to working with the new players that are coming. I've been really, really impressed with the recruitment. I mean, it's been... I've been a bit busy at work, so I've not always been on my phone and looking at social media, looking at the internet. And I've come home a few times, and my daughter's told me who we've signed, and I've had a good read up. And you know, another one was Chris Hankinson the other night. So, so yeah, it's exciting. We, you know, it was getting um, to the stage where we'd not signed anybody at the start, and people were sort of panicking. But I think over the last couple of weeks, everyone's been quite impressed with and excited by the by the signings we've made. And you know, Chris will uh, will be once again will be a pivotal member of that squad. Yeah. Top try scorers, Ken Seal with 12, Ryan Briley with 9, Sam Stone with 6, Tim, La- Tim Lafayette with 6, Mark Sneed kicked 92 goals. Ken Seal, our top try scorer, has departed the club for family reasons. Um, how much of a blow is that going to be? 
Huge blow, Rob. Huge blow. I know he'd signed a 12-month de- uh, deal, but I think from what I'd heard, his wife and children had gone home. Um, I think, you know, perhaps he had a family member who was poorly or, or whatever. I'm not, I don't really want to go into the details, but, you know, it's obvious that, that Chris, uh, that Ken, sorry, has had to had to go back for his family. And, you know, that that's, that's his family's important to him, aren't they? His most important thing. So, so no no problem with that at all. Just just disappointed, really, because Ken has been an absolutely wonderful player for Salford over the five years he's, he's played there. Been a real credit to the club. Mr. Reliable, never really makes a mistake. Always plays well. Always scores tries. So, you know, you, you talk about best wingers at the club. He's one of the best wingers I've seen at the club. And I think he'll be really missed. I think he's a really good guy as well. Really thorough, thorough and true professional, Ken. So, um, he'll, be, he'll be missed. Yep. Ryan Bradley scored nine tries. <coughs> also won the Players Player of the Year, Supporters Player of the Year, Podcast Player of the Year. And also the podcast Three Word Man of the Match uh, Player of the Year as well. As well. Uh, a full house for him. Here he is talking to myself, uh, collecting the awards. So Ryan, you've been uh, you've been we won two awards tonight. First one was uh, the podcast player of the year. Yeah. How'd you feel? Yeah, surprised you got me. You rattled me. Um, <laughs> yeah, no good. Um, I think I said out there. I think um, I see a lot of Salt fans listen to this podcast, and <clears throat> I feel like the people who listen to that podcast are, are my people. Um, I always get told on a, a weekly basis of what you've said, and um, from my family as well. So. Um, yeah, you got me here. Yeah, uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Obviously, it means a lot. Obviously, like you say, you're one of our own. Uh, there's your second award. That's uh, the three-word match report, man of the match one. Um, that's sort of all season as well. That, you know, like yeah, yeah, I think it might be why you won it. <laughs> yeah, um, I was saying before, I said the sports players. Yeah, I said it's uh, it helps when you've got 12 family members voting for you every week. So. Um, no, again, I think it's nice to be recognised um, by people who support you week in, week out. Um, obviously, I know how, how loyal you guys are, and um, that certainly goes on, not, doesn't go unnoticed. I think, as a as a Solver fan myself, I know um, I've been a part of this voting pro, uh, voting system for a number of years, and voting for my, for my favourite players in the past. So to be recognised amongst them is um, yeah, you've, you've rattled me here. So yeah, thank you. Brilliant. Congratulations and uh, we'll see you in 2024. Yes, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Brilliant. So that was Ryan Bradley talking to myself, uh, collecting all his awards from the club and from the Devil in Detail podcast, Paul, and he's had a great season. Yeah, he certainly has. Certainly has had a great season and, you know, done done really well off the, the field as well. You know, he's worked with Channel 4 and his punditry stuff. He, he's a really likeable man, is, is Ryan Briley. And credit to the club, I think we're very lucky to have him. You know, there's rumours about him leaving, wasn't there? But... Uh, I think he's um, his heart's at Salford, isn't it? He thinks a lot of the supporters, a lot of the club, and um, you, you can't really buy that in a player. So, and he's a very, very talented player as well, playing some of the best rugby of his career at the back end of his career, really as well. So, uh, so yeah, I think he's going to have another big season in 2024. Yeah, looking forward to 2024. Salford been busy bringing new signings in. Who has impressed you the most? Who are you looking forward to to playing in 2024 in that red shirt? I think the Jake Shorts one is a big one. Um, I think he's, is it Jake or Joe? I know we had, Joe. it's Joe, sorry, we had Jake, didn't we? We did. I knew I got it wrong there. Yeah, Joe Shorrocks, I think, um, yeah, I think he's a real clever player and um, very, very you know talented ball player and I'm looking forward to seeing him. He did very well for Wigan. Um, I think the Matt Donald signing, from what I've seen of him, he's a, he's a test player, isn't he? And a very exciting player as well. Don't think he had the, the best of times at Leeds off the field and that with him, but if we can uh, get the best out of him at Salford, he could be a real exciting player. I think the Chris Atkinson one was uh, Hankinson. Sorry, was 
was a good bit of business. If you look at him, he's a cracking goal kicker as well, and you can't you never have enough goal kickers in your team if somebody gets injured. So another another big signing for us. Ethan Ryan's come in. You have to refresh my memory, else we signed. There's been <laughs> names, but obviously for me, Paul, we, we've talked about in this previous part of the show about how our meters made, our average gains, and yeah. our penalties. For me, Paul Rowler hasn't brought anyone in yet that's going to fix that. We have big problems getting out of our 20 and, and progressing up the field. And the players that he brought in are good players, but they're not players who are going to piggyback us up the pitch. And that's a big concern for me because what does Paul Rowley do? Does Paul Rowley go and buy another prop forward like of Jack Ormond like um, other forwards that we've got, like that King Bunny IR, six foot two, but not massive. Do we, does he go and buy a forward who is six foot five, 20 stone, or does he get another forward that is like for like what he's already got? Because if he gets another forward that is like for like, does it make it any better? No, I think that that's one thing we miss at the moment. I know there was a rumour about a, a player, um, I was hoping we are going to sign but we've not signed him yet he's a big lad but um, we, we could just do with somebody like a Lee Mossop couldn't we somebody of that sort of mould mm. I think that's what we're missing now and and I think you're right I think the players we've signed are good players but even Shorrocks he's not the biggest you know Cade Cust is another one he's he's not a, he, he's, he's a back anyway like really a hooker or a standoff but the forwards that are in there I mean Hankinson can play in the back row I think but he's more of a centre um, Shorex is a, sort of a slim, slim fella, really, and he's not a massive bloke. You know, you've got guys like Oliver Partington there, he's probably a very similar player to Shorex. He's not a big man either, is he? So, your you real big men is Brad Singleton, Jack Ormond and King Bunny Eye. Well, that's probably a big three. You've got Adam Sidlow as well in the background. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think we do lack a bit of punch. I think we could do with a, with a big, nasty prop there to, to stick, up, stick in with those, those lads. Yeah, let's move on and talk about our ladies. Their second season in existence after a successful promotion in uh, 2022 um, into Super League 2. Got to the semi-final playoff against Lee. Defeat, unfortunately for them. Uh, but obviously we, we're looking at them as a development team. It, we are still finding the feet at this level. And it's exciting to see what happens in 2024. Yeah, certainly got a new coach as well, haven't they coming in? So uh, you know that that's all going to change as well, and whether he'll change philosophies and things like that. But I think they've been learning all the time on this journey they've been on for the last sort of eighteen months or so. So twenty twenty four is another big season, another season of of progress, hopefully. And um, and yeah, I'm sure they'll do really well again. No doubt about that. Yeah. Mike Grady is the new uh, ladies coach experience at Wollstone. He's coached at Wales internationally. Uh, he's coached at North Wales Crusaders, Rochdale Hornets, Widnan, John Kerr, and also there's a Spanish national coach. So he does have experience um, you know, at, the high, at a high level, uh, which will help our ladies develop. Yeah, certainly, certainly. He's been around there. He's uh, got a lot of experience, like you're saying, a bit of past that knowledge of. Because when you when you work at those sort of clubs, and you're gonna you're gonna pick knowledge up all the time, aren't you? And um, you know philosophies and things like that. So he comes with a vast, a vast amount of that, and I'm sure he'll be rubbing that off on the, on the ladies at Salford. Yeah, and also our wheelchair team, they've appointed. David Abdul uh, and their setup. He's going to. He's the assistant coach for Scotland. Uh, he and Heather will be building a competitive squad um, for 2024. They're looking to play more games. Exciting uh, that Salford have uh, this team involved in the community, and it gives people uh, options and ambitions to play for Salford Devils. 
Yeah, certainly that's another thing that's uh, been picking up a lot of momentum, hasn't it, over the last 12 months or so. So let's hope in 2024 it's it's the same again. We get lots more games, lots more people involved. And um, I'm sure if you do want to get involved in that, you know, there's there's plenty of people there who are going to help you along the way, isn't there? So, so yeah, I, I think that'll be another massive, uh, massive part of our season going forward. Yeah going to be very exciting obviously prediction time now Paul we'll start with the Lions what do you think their ambition should be in 2024 I think you know Swindon will just want to improve on last season won't they if they can finish you know, one or two places higher than they did last year and win more games than they did last season I think that, that's always an improvement isn't it you know play some good rugby have a decent run in the cup um, you know I think if if I was to say now Swinton are going to go for promotion or finishing in the top sort of three or four, I think I'd probably be being a bit a bit too ambitious there really. So you know I think I think most Swinton supporters will, will, will agree with me that if they can do better than they did last season, you know stay in that championship, win more matches, finish higher than they did last year, I think they'll be more than pleased with that. Yeah, and with fifty seconds to go, what is uh, your prediction for us all for the Devils in twenty twenty four? My prediction or my hopes? Both. <laughs> yeah, both. I'd love to see us win the Challenge Cup. I've been saying that ever since I was about five years old. So um, so hopefully we can get to Wembley and win that. I don't see why not. I think we've got a good squad. Like you said, I think we're lacking a bit of size. But uh, prediction, I'm hoping top six. Top six. That's what we want. Obviously, Paul Rowley uh, will be will be difficult with everything going on behind the scenes. But we have belief. They've got supporters there who want to support them, uh, and we're truly excited about what is to come uh, for Sulfur Devils. It's a real opportunity, really, to put a big impression down. Uh, I just want to say a big thanks for you to listening tonight on the Sports Zone on Sulfur City Radio, and we'll see you soon in the new year for more Sulfur Devils and Swinton Lines chat on your Sulfur City Radio. Have a good Christmas and we'll see you soon.